Hey, I'm Paul Perry. I'm Kim Hartsock, and you're listening to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it. So you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Now, let's get down to business. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Wrap. In this episode, we are talking about something that I know every one of our listeners has an interest in, and we are talking about employee retention trends. And Kim, you know, to really understand employee retention and how to implement it, uh, we really have to look at the data and see why employees are quitting. Yeah. And the great news for us, Paul, is that the new data actually just came out this morning. So that's really good and helpful for our conversation. And also helpful for us is that we have our very own David Salters with us today. So welcome back, David. You might be holding the record for the most times on this podcast. Well, that's a distinguished honor and the privilege is all mine. It's very good to be back with the two of you. We're excited to have you. Can you take just a few minutes and introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Uh, again, my name is David Salters and I'm the service area leader for Warren Averett's HR Solutions Group. And what we do is we uh, help clients attract and retain talent. We also help them with uh, HR consulting with issues Uh, Much like what we'll speak about today, compensation, retention policies, and uh, we've been very busy of late, especially the past two years. It has been a brand new world with um, helping clients attract talent and retain talent uh, because they're facing some really unique uh, challenges more differently than ever before. So, David, the December jobs report uh, reported several things that I just want to kind of point out, and I know that the new one dropped today, but I I just want to compare December to what dropped for January. So non-farm payrolls rose by 199,000 in December, obviously far fewer than the estimate of 422,000. Unemployment rate dropped to 3.9, which is obviously better than the 4.1 that was estimated. Uh, Wages increased more than expected, rising about 4.7 year over year. Uh, And then, you know, one of the biggest industries that had the largest gains was leisure and hospitality. So I'm interested to see how December compares to January and interested to see what the new data says. Paul, the December jobs report uh, indicated what has been a trend for the entire year, a volatile job market with peaks and valleys, very extreme ebbs and flows and jobs added. Uh, Unemployment rate continues to hover somewhere around the 4% rate. but Really, there's two key metrics in the jobs report that I think is most important to us and and our clients, which is the quit rate and the labor participation rate. And in summary, the labor participation rate is the civilian workforce who who chooses to go to work and be active in this workforce. We are still about 4 million employees shy of the pre-pandemic days. So during the shutdown and beyond, um, about 4 million people decided, I am not going to participate in the workforce. We'll talk about those reasons a little bit later in the discussion. The other is the quit rate. And that's a, um, another data point that the BLS tracks. And ironically, in December, uh, it marked the sixth consecutive month that more than 4 million people voluntarily quit their job. Six consecutive months. That's an all-time high um, at at that rate. Meanwhile, we're facing a historically high number of job postings. 
And so the delta between jobs posted, people quitting, and we're all fishing from a pond with fewer fish because those 4 million people have removed themselves from the workforce. So it can be confusing. Unemployment hovers 3.94, 4.1. The real focus, though, is the movement of the workforce, all the quitting and changing jobs, which is affecting us and our clients, and then how many people just we have not been able to attract back to the workforce. So that's a really good point, David. And I know I get a lot of phone calls and questions from clients and colleagues that are just saying, you know, why are so many people quitting? Why do we have this six months of consecutively 4 million workers voluntarily quit their job and choose not to come back? Can you shed some light on that? Yeah, there are a few reasons, and this has been ongoing really since the shutdown. One of the primary reasons is what's called a pandemic epiphany. And if you can recall back, this seems like such a long time ago, but when we were truly in the deepest part of the shutdown, when we couldn't even go to a restaurant and eat, people were really locked up at home and it gave them time to think. They had maybe spent time with their family that they had not spent time before. They rid themselves of a commute um, and it gave them time to think, where does my career fit into my life? Where does this commute fit into my life? Where does money fit into my life? And some people just exited. That was what we mentioned with the participation rate. But others have decided that I will only participate in this workforce if I have really, really good work that pays well. And the only way I can put this, Kim, is they're asking you as an employer, what's in it for me? What can you do for me? Because I have decided now that my life is more important than my career, or certainly my career doesn't define my life anymore. Yeah, and I heard it referred to um, recently. We've heard the great resignation, right? But that doesn't really tell the story. What I heard was referring to it as the great awakening. And that really speaks to what you're saying, which is that people have evaluated their priorities and they've shifted. And so as an owner, as an executive that is running a company, we have to be paying attention to that, right? So if our employees say to us, the money is not the most important thing right now, I'm changing my priorities, we have to understand what that means. And what, like you said, what's in it for me, we need to know how to answer that question for our, our team members and be able to speak to them about what's important to them and how that does fit into our company's culture and vision and mission. Um, I know we've spoken about this before, but you know, what would you say to a to an owner or an executive that's that's facing that question, right? Like, where do I go from there? I think evaluating whatever your process is um, for production, uh, whether it be a manufacturing or service, and evaluating. Is there anything that I can rethink that would allow flexibility to bring on and attract and retain the people that I have? For example, if, if you have had set shifts, okay, is there a way to maybe stagger some of that to attract people that you are not reaching? In those um, numbers with the labor participation rate, the number one affected demographic is women, particularly mothers. 
and there's you know there's a there's a loss of trust in the school system. Will will the school stay in? How how is my child engaging in education? So a lot of mothers have just exited. It's a big chunk of that four million people that are out. Well, is there anything possibly you could do to allow a schedule for a mom to either work remote or even potentially come in later if it's if it if it has to be on site? Think about that. There's there's an untapped labor market now that has evolved through this that is waiting. And they, again, they've had this epiphany. I'm not going to do it if it completely disrupts my home life. So can you do that? And I think so many of, of us as business leaders struggle with letting go the control of this is my process. This is my system. This is how I oversee people. This is how I ensure the work product is good. And we just have to reevaluate what can we do differently? Is it completely necessary um, maybe to be as rigid as we were before. I also think some some leaders are struggling with maybe in the back of their mind, I would like to employ a more hybrid or, or remote workforce. I don't know how. I struggle with what are the cybersecurity issues, what are the labor law issues, what are the wage issues, and I want to, and it can be intimidating to admit, I don't know how to do it. I think we can help them with that as a, as a firm at Warren Averett. But getting over that hump, meanwhile, you're losing valuable talent to your competitors in the workplace as maybe this um, you know, paralysis stalls you. But rethinking what can we do to become more flexible if you're not ready to be completely flexible workforce? Well, ease into that. But it, you have to reevaluate and ask yourself the hard questions. What can we change to accommodate the workforce because 4 million people a month uh, is a staggering number of people who are leaving. Yeah. And there's some good examples, like from me just hearing that, right? Like uh, flexible schedule. Yes. Work remote. Yes. But you know, moms that maybe want to off during the summer, but are happy to work during the school year, or maybe they work part-time flex schedule so that they're working while their kids, right. There's a, a million of those scenarios. And I, and I also think David, that when business owners are thinking to themselves, why is it people do not want to come back in? Why, why do I have to now adjust to a hybrid or a remote? And you've talked a little bit about culture. And I've, I've even heard business owners say, you know, I, I just want them to come back in. We, we did it right before the pandemic. Why do, why do we have to go to this now hybrid approach? And I think the pandemic forced us to make hybrid work. And all the employees said, you know what? It now works. Why do I have to go back? Right. So that's that. I think that's part of that mind shift that you're talking about. I'd be interested to hear some of the companies who have gotten it right. Some of the companies who have said, you know what? This is how we're going to do it. And it's been successful for them. Do you have any examples of those that you've either talked to folks about or, or read about or, or seen over the last couple of months? Yeah. Let, let me share some examples of, on the front end. Um, we're talking about retaining talent, but this this entire workforce is dynamic. So it's also about um, acquiring talent. Uh, you know, there, we're we're adding jobs at about six million a month. We're we're losing people at about four million. So that's a that's a that's a hectic pace to say the least. But you know, there was one executive at CVS um, who likened the onboarding and hiring process to that of the pit crew of a race car and evaluating every piece of equipment on that vehicle. And if it did not directly affect the production on the racetrack that day, it had to go. 
And so several companies um, are moving in terms of speed. The old saying, time kills all deals, that, that is very true in, in recruiting. We've seen some of these companies that are on the front lines. You saw Leisure and Hospitality as very front uh, gainers in the, in the job market. Well, they have to move at a, at a, at a quick pace because there's, there's such a high demand for their employees. This would go for all of our clients who have any type of production or manufacturing facility. You need to move quickly. So removing any unnecessary assessments, any unnecessary paperwork, um, I think uh, waste management, we've kind of heard some of us have heard some of their stories. They, they improve the application time from like 30 minutes to three minutes um, by, by reducing clutter. Southwest Airlines is taking jobs that do not require so much sophistication and making on-the-spot offers instead of dragging out long interview processes. One thing uh, on the front end for our more professional positions that we've really seen a, a big issue with is assessments. A lot of them psychological assessments and it literally reduces the potential workforce to a fraction of what's out there meanwhile this job market is is moving at lightning pace and the idea that really we could stop and be that choosy some of those assessments are really great they really do help prevent making a bad hire sometimes but i don't think most of us are in a position to be that choosy um, at, at the rate things are moving, you certainly don't want to throw caution to the wind completely. But if you if you include okay unnecessary assessments, long ac application processes, multiple interviews, CVS in one of their improvements, they started doing video interviews for anyone that was facing a client. So instead of bringing them back in and doing a face to face simulation, they just did that online. It saved a tremendous amount of time, and they brought people on. That was uh, some of the ways that some of these companies are, are speeding up the process. They help gaps, uh, fill the gap in the beginning. I've heard some people say um, that we're looking for, for jobs. It's like, hey, if I give you my resume, why do I have to now go on this website and enter everything that's now on my resume, right? So it's, you're, you're talking about, you know, just streamline it and ask for the information once and then, and then go from there and, and just make it a lot easier. That's right. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Then head on over to warrenabert.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. Now, back to the show. What about for, you know, I hear from clients too in, in terms of if they're really hiring at a, at a high level, right? They're hiring a controller or a CFO or someone like that, that really you need some, you need a specific expertise. And a question is, you know, why do I need a consultant, right? Why do I need a specialist? Um, why can't I just post a job on, a, on an online board or send an email out to people letting them know? How, is, how has that changed, right? In the last, you just said we've been working in the last two years in a very different environment and the world has shifted. So why would they need somebody for that focused of a search? Think of it this way. If, if you look at the number we just saw, so in January, there are 10.8 million job openings posted on Indeed. So holy cow, that's 10.8 million. Wow. How can your job be found there? How could you possibly stand out? And even if you were fortunate enough to have a qualified controller who, let's say they had a bad day and they just went ahead and picked on Indeed to see what would happen. 
the idea that you would catch the perfect storm, that your job would hit that board the same time that they looked is pretty, is pretty finite uh, yeah. opportunity there. Um, furthermore, anytime someone posts a job on Indeed, it's a bidding war. And, and, you know, you post a job, well, I'm going to come behind you and post a job. And then someone behind you posts a job and they just fall down the page and, and eventually they're gone. Meanwhile, Indeed is raking in money um, through this. Uh, but they do, you, you know, um, people who have companies who have um, premium subscriptions can bid on those jobs. Not everyone knows that. So you, so people can, can buy higher space, but there's no limit to that. If someone with really deep pockets decides to sponsor that job, you, there's just no way you can keep up. So the controller, for example, of all the controller searches that we're working on now, it takes a lot of just um, production hours to search, um, you know, the databases and the information and the referral base that we, that we have to find those individuals. Once you find that individual, well, then you need to tap, it takes the time to tap into what, again, what's in it for them. Uh, is it, you know, the work-life flexibility, the compensation, the type of work? And, you know, we have uh, some searches ongoing where the controller role is either hybrid or flexible. We have some that are not, they must be in office. And I can tell you just working through that, it takes so much more time and effort to locate someone who is willing to be on site 100% of the time having those uh, conversations. So let's think about that. If you were posting an on-site only controller on Indeed, your chances of getting what you want in that situation are absolutely minuscule. Um, because there's going to be 10 more jobs up there. And the first word in that job is flexible or hybrid. Um, and so then, it, again, that takes someone needing an advocate on, on your behalf to speak to these candidates to, to uh, express why this job would be good for them. Right. goes back to the what's in it for me. So, you know, if, if you have all these demands, but you're not paying attention to what the candidate is interested in, it's a mismatch. Mm-hmm. So David, what's next? You know, like wh- where, where are companies going? You know, is the government going to help any, you know, what are some of the economists saying uh, is next related to the job market? And I know that's a loaded question because as we've seen in the past year, 18 months, they predict something and, and they're way off, right? It's, they're not getting it right. So what's next from that perspective in, in your opinion? Well, most economists are predicting some type of slowdown. Uh, with all the supply chain issues, you know, that just throttles down the manufacturing sector, um, logistics, you know, there's all types of issues with um, deliveries. There uh, obviously labor shortages, you know, what wasn't really reflected as much as I thought in the January numbers was just how much Omicron affected the talent market, how many days off were missed. But there's uh, continued uh, fears is the, is the word that they use, you know, in the media, economists fear a slowdown. The jobs report, while good, I read this morning, brought fears of rate adjustments. Okay, so interest rates. So thing, things tend to be trending towards some type of slowdown. That said, with the employment market, there, there is really no end in sight. One piece of positive data that we saw, uh, it was in the fourth quarter last year, the Wall Street Journal produced a chart and it reflected how personal savings had grown over the past couple of years. So people were at home, they're getting government incentives. They weren't spending as much money. 
And there, there became a point of inflection on the chart where government stimulus was stopping and the personal savings was declining. And that was going to lead more people to get back to work. And the idea was possibly the Christmas and holiday season would drain what's left of that savings. And so people wouldn't get back to work after the first of the year. Well, then Omicron hit and people just delayed a little bit longer. So every time we think there's a little uptick or something happening, we seem to get set back. And so I, I would um, I would brace just for more of the same ebbs and flows up and down and continue uh, to look at those two key metrics, the, the quit rate and the labor participation rate. As long as those two numbers keep behaving like they are, then it's more of the same and, and co companies who are seeking employees both to retain who they have and to attract new must understand that market, tap into those behaviors, understand what's in it for them and try to find common ground. What's in it for the employee that's good for you? Um, these things don't have to be mutually exclusive and it just takes a little time to think out, okay, what can we do here to satisfy the goals of our company and attract good talent? Yeah, and the more I hear you talk in terms of employee retention, is owners and executives have got to make sure that their strategy is in alignment with their, with their team. And we can't do things same as we've always done, right? It's a new day. The workforce has shifted. And if you are an owner that is not taking a look at your mission values, all of those things, especially if you have struggled with retention, right? So what is it that you can learn from that and say, we need to make some changes here? If that's surveying your team or having one-on-one -on -one conversations with coaches and, and employees, but if you can't answer the question to know what is important to my team, especially those A players that you want to retain, then I think that you're going to constantly be playing from behind. And I know we've seen statistics where the, you know, the quitting is sometimes people are leaving straight for money, right? They're, they're being motivated because they're being offered a significant amount of money, but the same percentage of people are leaving because they don't feel like their job is in alignment with their, their values. And so if you guess wrong, if you guess that they're going to, that you want to retain them based on money, but they're really being motivated by their, the alignment of their values, then you're going to miss the mark there. Right. And vice versa. So you need to be having conversations and making sure that you know what's in it for your team and what they're looking for. We spent several years, I'm going to estimate 2012 through about 2020, um, talking a lot about employer branding. A lot of people spent a lot of time, money and effort and marketing. And, you know, it seems sometimes that all the brands were the same, right? We want to have you know, great place to work, good benefits, social impact, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that quickly shifted after the pandemic. Uh, we saw, you mentioned the company no longer uh, aligns with my values. And when we spent all that time with an official employer brand, you know, sometimes that's what do we want to appear to the outside world? And I think the employees are saying, you didn't ask me what's important to me. And so when they got that new opportunity that they were gone and they felt disconnected from that identification of what are our values. The other, another stat in there um, on the reasons for leaving was burnout. This becomes a compounding issue. So you have staff issues 
Well, what about all of those who are left behind to carry the full load? And so they become overworked, they're exhausted, they see their peers getting remote jobs or better opportunities or flexible schedules, and it just it weighs on that person. Right now, we may all can think of certain people or departments where that's happening, and, and it should make you feel uneasy um, that this is unaddressed, that it's going to continue to, to hurt your retention. There's an old saying that people don't necessarily leave their employer, they leave their boss. Within that, there's this middle management stress um, that occurs that I think some of our clients could address investing in that middle manager because they have below them, they have production goals, deadlines, they have employee management, they have staffing issues. Above them, they're reporting to executives. They, uh, their volunteer life at home is probably at a higher level than some other people. And in this day and age, they could easily be taking care of their parents and their children. And so if you think of that in an hourglass shape, the squeeze of that middle manager, and we need to be paying attention to those people and investing in them. They're your frontline cheerleaders uh, for recruiting. They will influence who stays and goes more than anyone at your company. And again, safeguarding, investing, and developing those people will, will help dime some of this turnover that, that some of us um, are experiencing. If you think about a production manager, this poor soul probably gets up every morning, checks their phone to see how many people called in sick, how many people quit today, how many raw materials I did not get in today, and now I'll go solve that puzzle. That's a lot every day for those individuals to deal with. Culture eats strategy, brand, whatever you want to call it for lunch, right? We've heard that so many times. We've said it so many times, but I think that that's, you know, if you can start to fix the culture, then you can start to make headways into trying to solve all the other problems. So here on the wrap, we like to wrap it up in 60 seconds, David, what would you leave our listeners with on attracting and retaining the talent that you want in this uncertain, uneasy, uncomfortable market? Don't be afraid. Everyone is facing the same issue. Don't be afraid to re-examine your procedures, your staffing. Can you find common ground to address this market yet meet your goals? You're not in this alone. We're in this together. We can, we can help you walk through these, these issues. Seek out that untapped talent base. I can't stress enough the mothers, the, the mothers that are on the sideline. If you have a shortage of production, would four or six hours every day from some of these individuals help you meet your goals? Why deny that just because it doesn't fit the model that we had before? Lastly, remove any barriers to, to hiring that you can. Your hiring process and your onboarding process is not static. It should not be. It should be ever evolving. Review it frequently to see what you can do to expedite the process. Remember, people in this day and age, they shop online, they buy food, they do everything they want with a phone. Okay. If you can't compete time-wise uh, with bringing people on, one, digitally, uh, and quickly, that's going to set you behind too. Not only do you miss that individual, you appear that you are not up to the date with how you run your organization. Just keep finding, keep your eye on the labor participation rate and the quit rate. That'll tell you where the market's moving. 
Thank you so much, David. It's always so insightful to have this conversation with you. And um, I'm certain that as the year goes forward and things start to shift, we and our listeners will have more questions. So I look forward to having you on again. I think this time when he comes back, we're going to have to have him like a five timers mug or something. Start that trend. He would be the first one to get it. David, it's always a pleasure, man. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to the podcast series or make a suggestion of other topics you want to hear. Visit us at warrenabritt.com forward slash the wrap.